Hi everyone, my name is Oren Kessler. Thank you for joining us. Our guests today are Therese Moorhead and David Andrews. Both are working at Sandpit Innovation, a leading consulting firm that works with some of the world's largest mining firms. Therese is a senior consultant at Sandpit. She is a psychologist and organization development specialist with 14 years of experience working within and for organization across various industries. David is a principal mining engineer at Sandpit and he has more than 20 years of experience in the mining industry, most of it with Vale, where he was the Director for Mining Technical Services at the North Atlantic region. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Oren. Thanks, Oren. Happy to be here. So the first question that I have is for you, Therese, and that is taking into consideration the recent simulation we ran, the digital mining in the age of social awareness. We came across various scenarios that presented the need for mining forms to have a better acknowledgement of local communities. Now, according to the simulations crowd, more than 60% of whom work within the mining industry, this trend is likely to intensify in the upcoming years and led by employees within the industry. And within that context, uh, the question that I want to ask, and, and that is reflecting on that, what are the changes in behavior that we are likely to see within the mining industry concerning relations with the local communities from uh, the perspective of the mining industry and from what you know and what you have seen based on your experience? Yeah, okay, so I guess just to start that off, what I've seen and, and what I've experienced is that not different to other kind of social uh, change or social problems is, is that a faith value many mining companies I guess could argue and do argue that they are doing a lot in this space already. It's when you kind of scratch the surface that you may discover that uh, the walk is very different from the talk and I guess if people in the simulation are saying that you know there needs to be change and, and that we're excited by that change coming from that grassroots level through employees in the industry I, I guess other social changes that I've seen come from policy or legislation. So like legislating quotas for women in ASX-listed companies here in Australia, CEOs facing prosecution for safety incidences, both physical and psychological. Potentially, one would argue that there is kind of a policy or legislative requirement around this area of community that might need to be the catalyst to start this. Having said that, that kind of goes to a lot of those areas around women in leadership and, and, and safety incidents, both physical and psychological, that there hasn't been the change that you would expect just from implementing policy change. So it will be behaviourally driven. I think particularly here in Australia, one huge step um, would be to acknowledge and truth tell around the history um, and the story of Aboriginal people in this country. So that group of people in our community can really be engaged in the mining industry, which is where a lot of that work happens in these traditional communities. So I think having a greater understanding of the truth of our history will lead to better engagement, which will only lead to kind of the solutions for how we engage with local communities. So I think that's one. I think another one is around no FIFO. So no fly in, fly out. That just doesn't exist anymore. So if that's the case, what is the community that's built around a processing plant or a mine site? And, and how does the business set up to kind of 
come into that community and to support that community. And that is an ongoing and evolving conversation and set of kind of actions. I think the third point that I'd make is around the interaction with the community around regeneration. So we have thousands and thousands of mine sites in Australia that have been mothballed and there could be more, there is more opportunity to regenerate those mine sites and, and combining industries like agriculture and mining with that community input to create something that's better. When you look at the last 10, five years, for example, and you compare it to 50 years ago in comparison, is the speed of change when it comes to norms and values within the mining industry, is it much faster than it was before? Is it, do we see in five years what's happening in 50 years? Or is it something that it's, it's kind of an, ev an evolution that has been going on for the same time period and there's no real change in the speed of progress. Like changes are not faster than what they used to be in the past. Well, given that I'm only 40, <laughs> I'm not in to comment on the speed of change 50 years ago. <laughs> I do. I. I. I'm one of those believers that we are that we are in a moment now where the broader stories in society around climate, around health, well-being, you know, what kills people these days compared to 50 years ago, that the transition and movement around that in, from what I see is real and, and I believe that that will speed up change. It, it kind of has to. If you watch David Attenborough and you believe that there will be a mass extinction in 2050 and that mass extinction will be humans, I would hypothesize that will speed up the change. And David, from, from your perspective, are we already experiencing a change in norms and values within the mining industry and in its relations with local communities today that is that is very different than what it was in the past? That's a good question. And Theresa Conte, sort of triggered a thought about are we seeing change or are we seeing an acknowledgement of the need for change? And I think in some of the larger organizations that are quite rooted in, in a way of being, I have seen a rapid increase in an acknowledgement of a requirement for change in, in community engagement. And that includes their own employees who are all generally live and work and operate in some mining camps. But where I'm actually seeing some physical changes, so not talk of a need for change, but an actual change is in some of the smaller organizations. And I think that's probably because it's much easier to steer a smaller ship. And one of my favorite examples is a lady, Jody Kazenko. She's the CEO of Torex Gold and they run a gold operation in Mexico. And one of their most recent photos that I saw is of a mine portal and there's an art installation which wraps the perimeter of that portal. And, and just off to the right is a, is a religious effigy. And what that tells me is that they've taken that engagement and that sense of community well beyond uh, a broader conversation about diversity and inclusion in the workplace to what do you need to feel safe and how do you want your workplace to be? So I, I'd encourage you, or, you know, if you, if you have, if you're curious, take a peek at uh, Portal 3 at the ELG mine, and, and that's that's with Torx, because it, it's actually a pretty, the, one of the most beautiful things I've seen in relation to, to mining itself, which which is, is pretty dirty. It's a pretty dirty industry physically. It's just, it, we work with dirt.
rocks and dust. It's very interesting. The, the fact that you're touching on the aspect of small companies and the ability to change norms within those small companies uh, being being greater. That's an interesting point because one of the insights from the simulation was that smaller companies are given much more opportunities to get a bigger market share because of the technological innovations that are going to go in. But another thing is because the social awareness will create a public that will make it for those smaller companies maybe easier to reflect what they're doing and to change the way they're doing things. So taking on what you just said, how likely do you see this kind of a change within smaller companies in terms of norms? How likely do you see that is something that's going to be widely spread in the upcoming 10 years in comparison to the to the big companies? What we're starting to see within the broader industry, and we see this even in, in the consultancy that we we both work in, is that there's a whole new group of employees in the younger generation that they value choice over some of the other more traditional values that, that I personally might have grown up with, right? And so if you have choice and you can choose to work for a company that is adaptable and changes fast and can respond to your requests, that is naturally going to change and shape the pace at which these organizations can grow. And I'm also seeing a shift in broader capital markets in terms of their willingness to, to fund company projects. So there's very different criteria emerging other than just return on investment and country risk. And it's more, what is your engagement program? What is your baseline study that you've done and can you prove it to me? How are you in, engaging with the community and these are very much in the environmental, social side of things. And so you, you're kind of getting hit from two sides where the companies that have the ability to react and move fast will both be able to attract funding faster and from different sources, but they're also going to attract, attract a very different and much more willing employee base. And I think that those are two significant drivers in this industry, which runs largely on people currently to do work, but also is a very capital intensive industry. So the requirement for upfront funding is necessary. Now, Therese, they've touched this, uh, a point, which is also very interesting that came out in the simulation, which is the idea of spillover, so to speak, of norms from other industries into the mining industries. And, and, and Dave touches a point about how investors are changing the way norms are being looked at because they're not going to invest in a company that might be associated with negative values and norms. Do you see this kind of a spillover into the mining industry already taking place or will take place in the upcoming decade, in your opinion? Oh, I, I think absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the other interesting learnings from this simulation for me is around where does this disruption to this mining industry come from within or from externally? And I think it would be crazy for any mining house to think that disruption is solely going to come from within. If you think about electric cars or even mobile phones, the things that you need to build those tools mostly come out of the ground and you'd be crazy if you didn't think that the supply chain was going to get longer and more diversified, whether it's Elon Musk or whoever it is, Jeff Bezos, it'd be crazy not to think that they they weren't investigating, well, how can we get this 
stuff from the ground better, cheaper, faster than the current companies who do it. So I think definitely influenced from the tech industry. I've done a bit of work in not-for-profit and the thing that jumps out at me from that industry, Dave's kind of touching on it, is this automatic connection to purpose and meaning. When I do work that is altruistic and for other people, it makes me feel good about myself and is connected to something bigger than earning enough money to pay off my house and my car. It's connected deeply to my own psychological well-being as an individual and my own search for meaning. I think the other thing that fits in there is this sense of belonging. So Dave touched on the example from Torex around you know, the, the beautiful art installation. If, if I turn up to work and, and that's what welcomes me every day, I, I almost feel like I'm coming home. So I do think that the not-for-profit industry in that kind of purpose and meaning generation space, there's a lot to learn from for, for mining companies as well as the kind of tech space for, you know, doing things quicker and, and faster and thinking about problems in a different way and, and from a whole of systems perspective. When I was reading the analysis by the crowd, one of the things that was obvious for me was that for people from outside of the mining industry, it's hard to understand how much of an effort and how much of a thinking goes into within the mining industry to make the world a better place, despite the fact that it's an industry that is, I mean, we cannot unroot it from what it's doing. We cannot unroot what they're doing and, and, the, and the damage they cause because it's part of the part of the process but there's a lot of thought going into how to minimize and how to decrease the the amount of environmental damage caused by this by these mining operations and i think one of the things that was said by a lot of the crowd members was that they felt that it's not publicly known how much of that is happening how much the norms are high how much the values are are, are really always under kind of scrutiny to try to improve and to make the world a better place, in, including talking to local communities. So, so this question is, is for you, Therese. Do you think there is a way for mining firms to change the narrative in their favor by using it, the fact that they're working hard on trying to reduce the amount of pollution and damage they cause to the fact that it's a very family business. I, I was very surprised to learn that for a lot of the people in the simulation, they, this is the second or third generation working in the mining industry, which is very rare compared to other industry. It's a very blue collar industry already. And, and looking into how a third, they look at the local communities more and more as partners. What do you think the mining, mining firms can do in order to kind of change the narrative in that regard? working on that in order to to make their appearance in the public better yeah there's a lot in that question um, <laughs> i sorry, think one thing for that. <laughs> like three prongs for that and more. <laughs> so so guide me if i'm you know going off track but one thing that comes to mind specifically is you know there's a lot of work in the space at the moment around changing the kind of language of economics and I, I referenced donut economics in my simulation and you know there's countries who are working on a, on a well-being economy so looking at measures that are more than just growth it's not about forgetting growth or, or focusing on degrowth but it's growth and you know building communities growth and saving the environment or putting putting you know, a halt to, to carbon emissions and, and putting a halt to car 
climate change. So I think one thing that I'd love to see or hear coming out of mining companies is, is just kind of shifting their own mindset on, on the measures of success and the measures that are important, you know, at an executive level that, that are, yeah, returning funds and value to shareholders, but also returning value to the communities we operate in, the, the people who we employ and their families, and, and also, you know, the environment or reducing emissions from an environmental climate change perspective. So I think that would be one thing to be talking about publicly, which would give me hope that they're legitimately looking at this problem from the edges and every part of the system. So certainly that economic model. I think the other part of this is is kind of almost going back to my my first comment of, you know, you talk about a lot of the stuff they're doing and they, they have a band of loyal employees. They do regenerate environmentally. They, they've all got strategies in place to look at reducing carbon emissions, even though the Australian government can't commit to a figure. They're doing all of these things, but it, it, it's also making sure that the talk aligns with the walk. And so the part of that that's really important for me is at an individual level looking at for this thing to change, first, how must I change? And how am I being the change that I want to see in the world in this mining company? And I think that's easier said than done for any person, not just the special kind of person that sits at the top of a massive mining house. Dave, in, in your opinion, how can digital technologies be used by mining firms to better connect local communities and improve the norms within the industry? That's a good question. So the, the last couple of months have very much been working with a local machine learning data science organization in Perth and very much on the learning curve for myself and also worth working with some founders and co-founders of local tech startups. And so I come from a world inside a major mining house where we had the, the same ambitions that are generally spoke about on the street, which is we're going to do automation and become a digital company. And what I've realized stepping outside that world is there's actually an absence of true tech knowledge base at the leadership level in, in big mining companies. And, and I don't mean to say that in a negative sense, it's a huge opportunity, but the tech world's a very different culture. And so to bring those two groups together takes effort and conversation and learning about what the other does and what actually is possible. And so that, that's the first step is to start the conversation about what is and is not possible. And that's beyond some of the buzzwords. And when you get into the world of things like uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, one of the big reactions we've been faced with with some clients is, is when you start to speak about those things, you get an initial fear response from the employee base, right? So I'm going to be replaced by. And then the opposite response generally from a management side, which is if I replace those people with machines, I can save X amount of money. But what I've actually come to realize in talking to the digital technology folks is that machines have some fairly significant limitations and they do really well at structured things, repetitive things, and that all fits in sort of this explicit knowledge sort of task that humans in a lot of companies do. But when you think of a world where you could start to automate or use sort of tech to really enhance the speed of some of those things, then the people in your organization 
they get freed up to be able to do spectacular things in the world of problem solving and innovation. So I think really to, to bring this thought sort of back to the beginning of where I started, it's about changing the, the narrative and the conversation about mining and digital. And it has to happen at a, a much more open dialogue so that you really start to find a place for how's the world of tech going to enhance your people's ability to really start to transform your business. And, and from the perspective of looking into that kind of a change of the discussion, I want to ask you, Therese, in your opinion, what are the obstacles that mining firms will face when changing norms and behavior and how can they overcome them? Yeah, so this is uh, something that we've been playing with a lot at Sandpit every day <laughs> in the last little while. So it's something that are definitely advising our clients on, but it's also something that we are doing with each other and with ourselves because a lot of us have come from these big mining houses and we have years of experience, some good, some bad, that we're bringing into this experience and, and this play that's happening in this sandpit at the moment. And, and a lot of it is kind of unlearning, not, not our experiences and not what we can do and what we can make and, and what we can grow and what we bring, but it, it, it's the behavioural aspect that for so long potentially has been pushed down in, in those big mining houses or in big industries outside of, of mining. So for us, it, it, it's about challenging our biases, being okay with demonstrating vulnerability in the moment, showing courage to have conversations that we might not ordinarily have had and to create a, a real trust-based environment, which, which is a, a safe environment where people can share exactly what's going on from them, good, bad, indifferent emotions, bring them to the table and, and understand what data that is giving you in order to be able to get to a better position that you wouldn't ordinarily have got to uh, if you haven't created the environment where people can be vulnerable, people can display courage and that there's a real underlying trust culture that's been created. And that takes time and that takes lots of conversations and connecting at a, at a personal level. I think if I pop that out more broadly to culture and, and to what we've been taught and, and consumerism and what's important, it's about having a comfortable life and having the, the cash and the money to, to do the things you want. But it's also about doing something that creates meaning for you, that is aligned with your values and most importantly, that you can do with a bunch of people who you get along with and you can have fun with and, and you can build some kind of true relationship with. And, and that's the opportunity that's ahead of mining companies, but also countries and, and, and nations around the world. So I think that's, that's a great point to kind of conclude the podcast and to have that as the closing remark, so to speak, for the podcast that we had. Dave, Therese, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. It was really, really interesting. I'm sure there's so much more to talk about. And if you want to learn more, uh, please read our final report about the digital mining in the age of social awareness uh, simulation we ran together with Sandpit, which more than 100 participants have collaborated together to contribute to the insights in it. So thank you everyone and thanks. Bye-bye.